welcome to Tripod, our travel retail-themed podcast in association with the SEVA Group. I'm Martin Moody. Roger Jackson. Roger, good as always to be back together on the show. We've got a very interesting guest coming along in a few moments, but tell us firstly, how are things in your business and the business? I think we're seeing a slow recovery uh, when I talk about travel retail industry. Um, I think we're seeing a slow recovery. I think most regions are reporting increases in business uh, purely linked to, well, I guess linked to two things, one passenger numbers and two, what we're generally seeing is average weight of purchase is up across most categories, definitely alcohol and tobacco. Um, So I think that's good news for most retailers, brand owners and distributors. Um, It's slow. I think we always thought it would be. Um, Specifically in the Middle East where I sit today, you know, the Middle East is looking pretty good. You know, um, Colum uh, and Ramesh uh, from Dubai Duty Free, obviously our largest uh, single site retailer in the world. Um, they, they were interviewed uh, recently and, you know, they were talking about their business being back about 65%, uh, about 1.3, 1.4 billion out of the 2 billion they did in uh, 2019. So, you know, broadly 60, 65% back. And I think that's generally what we're seeing. I think Europe lags a bit behind that. Um, and, and perhaps the Americas as well. Uh, and Asia obviously is still very much uh, um, depressed, uh, mainly with lack of Chinese flights, your situation in Hong Kong and, and Singapore. But I think um, I think in, in summary, I think we're seeing a slow return. And I think that's probably what will continue to happen in 2022 into 2023 and you know if you look at any of the forecasts they're all suggesting China comes back 2024 so I think we'll you know dependent on fourth waves um, and you know other things that could happen with um, with the virus I think we're looking at sort of a slow return over the next 24 months but the good news is I think most people are pretty positive and they've all cut their cloth accordingly and you know, they can either break even or, or make money at this level, which I think is fantastic for our industry. Um, you said, you know, what else is going on? I think, you know, we had International Women's Day a few weeks ago. I think we should touch on that with Sharma being a, a female leader in travel retail. So, um, but I think that's a really important topic and one we should continue to debate and discuss because especially in our industry uh, is in terms of alcohol for me and our and travel wider travel retail. I still think we... You know, with, with us challenges there. All right, Roger, we've got a guest well known to you, a very special woman. Shall we bring her in? Yeah, let's do it. So this episode's special guest is Sharmania, area manager, India, Middle East and Africa travel retail at Brown Foreman, the great American spirits company whose portfolio runs from, of course, Jack Daniels to Woodford Reserve to Heritura uh, Tequila to Ben Riach. Finlandia Vodka, Chambord Liqueur, among many other outstanding wine and spirits brands. Now, Sharma is based in Dubai, where she's worked in the duty-free sector since 2005, variously with Diageo, Godiva, and now, of course, Brown Foreman. So with no further ado, Sharma, welcome to Tripod. Martin, Roger, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been going through your earlier podcasts and uh, the guests that you have on the, uh, on the podcast are 
Amazing. I mean, the last one that I saw was at Stephanie um, uh, in February, and that was absolutely outstanding. Um, and I'm really, really grateful that you uh, invited me over. So really, thank you. Well, thank you for being with us. And we have had some great guests. And, and we love kind of just talking, not just work, but talking about life and the whole damn thing with our guests. And it's been a, it's been a good formula for which I thank my co-host, Roger Jackson, because it was his bright idea. And I'm going to hand over to you now, Roger, to kick off the show. Hey, Sharma. Hey, Roger. Uh, me and Sharma have uh, worked together for a long time. So she's an old, uh, old dear friend. So it's lovely to have you on the podcast. Um, I guess that's sort of where I'm going to start. So your career started off in Mumbai. Could you just let us know a bit more about you know, starting off in your career in Mumbai and then what led you to Dubai, obviously, which is where you call home now? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Mumbai or Bombay, as I knew it, is where I was brought up. So you're right. Um, that's where I'm from. Um, the career that I had in India was in a completely different uh, sector. It was a financial services sector. And that was quite by accident. Um, and I'm pretty sure you would remember, uh, at least, uh, you know, some of us would remember, uh, back in the days, um, companies used to advertise uh, job openings in the newspaper. And um, in India, uh, you're, I mean, because of the number of people who would apply for a role, um, there, was a, there was quite a regime in terms of, especially large companies would uh, put you through uh, an aptitude test, a group discussion, uh, and a panel interview uh, before you could actually get into the organization. Uh, I was always encouraged to apply for whatever came through. And I did apply for a company called Datamatics Financial Services. And um, it turned out that I passed all those hurdles and actually made it. So I just stuck on. And uh, that was the start of a nine-year career in the financial services industry. Uh, I just changed jobs twice there, uh, but that's where I started. And much as it might seem irrelevant to the current uh, role that I'm doing, I think that uh, a lot of my base was there. Uh, you know, I managed uh, large government-owned financial institutions. Those were my customers. And kind of, you know, it, it shaped my career to where I am, what I'm doing today. And what about what led you to Dubai then and the move to Dubai? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in Mumbai, everybody knew my name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of place you want to stick around. I had very strong family ties there. Uh, but Vinod, who's now my husband, um, encouraged me. Uh, according to him, fresh beginnings uh, are always enriched life's experiences. And, uh, you know, he convinced me enough to pack a bag, leave my life in India and travel to Dubai. And here I am. I think it's been about 18 years now. And what was your first role in uh, Dubai? Was that with Diageo? It was with Diageo. So um, I've never been a lady of leisure. So as soon as I came in, I was looking for a role somewhere in the financial services sector or a banking sector. And a friend actually told me that someone she knows in, uh, in Diageo was looking for a temporary position um, to support with uh, the, a finance-led project and sounded nerdy enough for me. And um, I, you know, I uh, did an interview for what was meant to be a three-month stint, which ultimately led to a 14-year journey, a beautiful one, one that, you know, was filled with growth, happiness. Uh, yeah, that was, that, and obviously that led me to travel retail as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. And then on the way to travel retail, I guess, one, what did you think of it when you came across travel retail, as we all have, Martin, 
obviously a lot longer than the two of us, but um, what, you know, what led you to travel retail and then what did you think when you got there? Um, Roger, having managed the region, you would probably know that you know travel retail has never been separated out from this region. It has always remained an integral part of it. I mean, Diageo has gone through many, many changes, uh, you know, but, but, but the importance of travel retail, particularly for this region, has always been a constant. And uh, that's where, you know, uh, I, I was never, I was dropped into it. I was never, uh, you know, slowly taken into it. I was dropped into it. Uh, I did a variety of roles. Uh, I was involved in a sort of financial analysis and commercials, planning, et cetera. All of that then led me to manage my first customer, the Buy Daily Free. And uh, then, you know, it led on to managing the Gulf region, MENA, and then the entirety of GTR from a commercial effectiveness perspective, Roger, that's when I met you, 2016. Yep. And then you went over to chocolate, a uh, big change from alcohol. Did. How, did, how, was that, how was that transition into another category? I did. I mean, uh, obviously, travel retail uh, in all its, you know, in all its dynamic form, um, and I mean, drivers a bit, but uh, travel retail has always remained a dynamic industry. Um, and um, if I go back to 2008, for instance, um, you know, uh, when the big financial crisis happened, little bit, you know, <laughs> big financial crisis, as we named it, then happened. The YDD3 was the only organization which could boast of a year-on-year -year growth. And I think they actually uh, even crossed a milestone of $1 billion in sales. Um, travel retail has always remained that sort of, you know, um, pillar to any organization. And um, in Godiva, uh, that's, that's kind of what, again, attracted me because it was a travel retail role. Uh, again, it was managing Middle East and um, uh, Africa, so that was uh, my uh, my sort of uh, area of responsibility, and uh, it was a completely different category. Came with its own challenges. I've been working in spirits for fourteen years. Um, chocolates melt in the summer heat. Chocolates expire. Uh, so uh, it were, they were very different sets of challenges compared to what the spirits industry goes through. Uh, it was a, an absolutely exciting time. Uh, it was all just a year or so in Godiva, but I would say, I could safely say I put on a bit of weight. Uh, the factory visits were amazing. Uh, you know, those were kind of the highlights of uh, my time at Godiva. And, well, and then um, 2020 happened, uh, you know, we started working from home in March. Um, we thought it was a few weeks and then we'll be out of it. Like the rest of us, I think we all uh, imagined that this was temporary, but, you know, the seriousness of it dawned, uh, you know, uh, probably around April and we had to have some very quick decisions taken, very tough decisions taken. Uh, we worked through with retailers to ensure that, you know, containers of chocolates didn't go to waste because those were containers either sitting uh, on a ship here or you know going to be boarded aboard a ship or already sitting in warehouses here and we had to make sure that we somehow used up those chocolates and it didn't go waste um, and that was when you know working with retailers suppliers and retailers working together really came to light and really the importance of it just came to light um, and uh, I mean together I think we mitigated a, a large amount of risk over there. So yeah, that interesting times. Really learned a lot from that, and then moved over to the other side again. I was going to say, and then we got you back over to the dark side, uh, <laughs> back to spirit and alcohol. 
Um, what, you know, what was your thoughts around there? And obviously working for a great, uh, as Martin said at the start, a great American uh, company. How yeah. was that? And what's the first sort of year been like? Um, so Roger, if you look at it, I mean, everybody does this um, before an interview, they would go into the website of the organization they're going to interview with, go through, you know, uh, uh, the values, the company values. Um, obviously the company values there resonated highly with, you know, my own values, uh, but that was no surprise because it, 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 these values are not isolated to ground form. And you would see quite a few of these values probably appear in other organizations as well, because these are core values that are necessary for an organization to survive in the way that they must be. Um, but what actually, uh, you know, uh, tipped the scale for me really was when I spoke to people, whether through the formal interview process or whether outside of it, each one actually lived these values. You could see these values shining through people. And that really encouraged me to go deeper and deeper into, you know, um, into uh, understanding more about the organization. Uh, the recruitment process was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you had a really balanced um, panel of interviewees. One of the interviews, which was meant to be for an hour, turned out to be a two-hour interview. <laughs> so it was, it was really good conversations that happened at that time. And uh, I was really uh, wanting to just get into Brand Foreman and, you know, uh, get my hands dirty there. Uh, and once I did, I realized that, you know, I was not mistaken at all. And I know I have been waxing a little bit about uh, Brand Foreman to US, <laughs> so I'm going to stop now, but it, uh, it has been a great experience so far. Uh, love the brands. Um, I was never an American whiskey drinker, but when I saw the process that goes into creating a bottle of Jack Daniels, I was blown away. And now my evenings are, you know, not all evenings, but you know, my weekends, um, uh, American whiskey does feature quite a bit. In it. Yeah, it's interesting, Sharma, that, you know, we talk about craft spirits so much these days, don't we? But so many of the great traditional spirits brands of our world and you just mentioned one and I could mention another which is among my top five I think Woodford Reserve those are craft spirits they are the epitome to me of craft spirits craft spirits doesn't mean it has to come from a small company they can come from a very big company such as Brown Paul absolutely I couldn't agree more yeah well we'll have a we'll, we'll have a glass of Jack and and uh and Woodford Reserve, next time I'm in Dubai, I look forward to that. I'm going to ask you about the key influences along the way on your life and career in a moment, Sharma. But I want to ask you about, before he became a professional TV host, Roger, of course, worked in Diageo. What was he like to work with? You can spill the beans now. Uh, well, we have locked quite a few horns. And at the end of the day, those, uh, you know, that was completely mitigated uh, with a, you know, with a, a glass that we could cling together um, and uh, those those were purely purely uh, based on you know um, doing the best for the organization and you know obviously uh, as as we could uh, we worked and I mean he was great to work with to be honest you could focus on that bit but yes I mean uh, you know Roger do you remember uh, those lion uh, um, references that you always kept uh, shoving on us. <laughs> so, Roger, you won't know this, but you know the Instagram memes of lions and packs of lions. Sometimes 
team together. I quite I once shared one of them. The team found it quite funny, so I, I carried on sharing them all the time. Okay. Well, apart from Roger Lynn Sharma, tell us about the influences on your on your not just your career, but your but your life. Who would be the people you'd single out and, and why? Um I mean, uh, no surprise, uh, the early influences were my parents. And um, uh, we had a very uncomplicated life, to be honest. Uh, all my parents asked of me and my sister was to get good grades. And uh, if they were better than the neighbors, it was a bonus. So, um, yeah, I mean, like any Indian family would, you are expected to bring home good grades. But um, having said that, it was never without their support. So they would always support us, no matter what. Um, and uh, they would share with us their own failures or their own um, struggles, um, what they did wrong. And, um, you know, the values that they instilled in us was uh, phenomenal to how myself and my sister shaped up. Uh, my uh, dad in particular, I mean, he's not had an easy life. There's, uh, there's a lot of struggle that he went through to be where he was. And um, the one thing that he always, he never, you know, walked away from would be um, his, uh, he, he would always do the right thing. And that's one big value that he has instilled on myself and my sister. Integrity is a huge part of, you know, uh, who we are. So um, I would say from a character, in, a character influencing uh, perspective, it would be my parents. Um, and then uh, from a career perspective, uh, and this would surprise you as well, but it was, it was Vinod, my husband. Um, and uh, this, this is more from a, a well, I, I am, uh, I'm a person who would, before I met Vinod, would have um, put out, you know, self-induced kind of limitations on myself. And um, Vinod was the one who, kept encouraging me to shatter that ceiling. Uh, for him, it was always blue sky thinking. So we were really opposites uh, when it came to that. And uh, he would always encourage me to, you know, do what I'm uncomfortable with. He would drop me in an ocean and make me swim. Uh, so uh, big kudos to him, uh, you know, in terms of uh, how, I, you know, my faltering steps turned into more confident ones. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, I have been lucky enough to have had uh, coaches, mentors, leaders. I've worked closely with you as well, Roger, and you know, you've, you've, uh, I've learned a lot from you as well. And uh, in the same respect as I would have learned from other leaders in the organization, um, whether it be India or whether it be uh, you know, uh, here in the UAE, uh, I've had the, the, uh, well, the good fortune of having worked with many, many um, leaders and peers from whom I have taken a lot away. All right, very good. Well, I'm learning a lot from him too. You know, he's, he's a much younger man, as you can tell, and we're, we're proving that you can teach an old dog new tricks. So he's teaching me how to be a TV host and we're doing, we're doing okay, aren't we? Yeah, so yeah. I've got to ask you about International Women's Day. Now we've just celebrated it worldwide, beautiful celebrations globally, lots of questions raised, at the same time as the celebrations, of course. And while enormous progress has been made in recent years, there's still a lot of things to change, I think. You're in an industry, a sector, and I'm talking drinks rather than travel retail here, that was historically, of course, very, very male dominated. When I came into the business 100 years ago or so, it was, it was very much a, a, a macho male dominated business. And I'm really 
happy to see how that's changed over over the years. But do you still see particular challenges facing women in the in the drink sector and for that matter in the travel retail world? Um, yes, uh, I, I mean, there are challenges still, but I think we are really making strides in the right direction, Martin. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to quote an example uh, from a very decent uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a very decent example. Uh, and it involves a colleague of mine from Brown Foreman, and I have her permission to share. Um, she was currently torn, uh, this was back in November when we had uh, camp. Um, you know, when we all went to camp and uh, she uh, is a single mom and uh, she was torn between the decision to attend camp versus, um, you know, she couldn't hand her baby over to anybody. So she had to be there. She couldn't travel basically. And she was the one, I mean, she had worked hugely to, um, you know, to uh, sort of bring can to life, uh, whether it was from a stance perspective and what we did with the stands or whether it was from a presentations perspective, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that she had put into it. And for her not to be there, when she really wanted to, would have been a shame. So, um, I mean, uh, it was very natural for Brown Foreman to say, just bring him over as well, you know. So to our delight, there was a six month old baby at Cannes, you know, with her. And um, this, I mean, uh, it just goes to prove uh, she could do both. She didn't have to make that choice. She could be a great mom, and a great, uh, you know, career person. Um, and I think that's where the changes come. I, I would doubt that a decade ago, this would have actually happened. And I would also, I mean, at the same time, I would also question, um, does every company have, a, have this kind of an ethos, you know, and do all companies follow these kind of principles? I, I, I mean, I would like to believe they do, but I don't think they, I don't think all of them do. And that's where we do need to make a switch. We do need to understand um, that a woman is not the primary caregiver at all times, which still in some cultures, women are still considered to be the primary caregivers. Whereas um, that needs to change. And that's where I think, I mean, if you're talking about an industry as a whole, yes, I think, you know, that's where, uh, that's where things need to change. And fair play, uh, you know, uh, colleagues, men, women, everyone is, you know, now at this time, point in time trying to level that playing field. And um, it, it is not level yet, but I know that we are going in the right direction. So from a drinks industry perspective, I see more women there. I see uh, more encouragement. It's no longer a boys club where uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, playing golf or uh, whatever else it is that you lads do. Um, but um, it is, it is uh, I mean, you have WITR. It's, you know, the, we've, uh, we've, I think we've made strides in the right direction there. Sharma, uh, it's great, first of all, to hear that Brown Foreman example. And uh, the person you're talking about, we won't mention her, but she's a joint friend. So, um, yeah. and, and we work, both work with her. So um, it's fantastic to hear that. I think the thing on this subject for me, Martin, about changing this about Sharma uh, too much is it's about how genuine companies are with this. Every company has got, you know, a equal, you know, um, employment legislation. They've got a policy. But when it comes down to it, do they do what Sharma just explained that Brown Foreman did? And that is that more down to line managers rather than policy, because it's down to 
does this person travel to Cannes or not with their child? Will we be flexible? And I think that's the big change that needs to happen. You know, at the top, of course, the right messages are coming down, but does it properly flow down into real, genuine actions? And um, Sharma has just given a great example where it obviously does in brown form and it's fantastic to hear. The challenge I have, and it's similar to sustainability, actually, everyone talks good game, but what's really happening? Yeah. And um, that's where a lot of the companies, especially in the alcohol industry, really need to step it up because there's a lot of businesses out there that if you're a single parent or you are the primary caregiver, whether male or female, actually the company does not care less and you're the one expected to work the extra longer hours, work through the night or cover that. And as we all know, uh, as the saying says, it takes a village to raise a child and you know, parents need support. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that child actually on the last day even came into the conference. <laughs> I, I don't know how he did it. He had no pass, but he did come into the conference uh, um, stand. Well, well said, Roger. And Sharma, thanks for that. So we've come a long way down the road, but there's still, there's still a considerable highway uh, ahead of us, I think. We're going to change tone a little bit now. We're going to have some fun. Uh, Sharma, if you've listened to previous episodes of Tripod, you will know that I'll Roger and I, yeah, Roger and I have invested in some real estate out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, yes, and it's called the Tripod Desert Island. Um, and we take our guests onto that island. It's a beautiful place, and we give them a few creature comforts to enjoy themselves while they're there. So I'm going to hand over to Roger to take you onto the island and see how we can help you stay entertained. So Sharma, the first thing that you can bring is a book or a piece of reading. Um, so what would you like to bring and why? It's very difficult to choose between books uh, and also to choose between books you've read and ones that you really want to read but haven't got the time to. Desert Island seems like the perfect place to do that. But actually in, on this occasion, I think I'll choose a book that I have read. Um, and uh, it's um, The Castle by Franz Kafka. Obviously not for the language because he writes in German and it's a translation that you know I read, uh, the translation into English. But I don't know if either of you have read it, but uh, the ending kind of just startles you that when you get to the last page, you're stunned. Um, so I would read it all over again. And I would, if I had the time on that island, I would try and um, put my own ending to it and see what that might turn out like. He's a bit of an absurdist writer. Uh, I mean, um, the likes of, uh, uh, you know, the likes of um, Gabriel uh, um, Marquez, I can never pronounce it, uh, have taken inspiration from, the, from his style of writing. So I really, uh, you know, enjoy that. But uh, yeah, but, but mm -hmm. I would take Kafka with me. Along with your book, you can take some music, so whether it's a song or an album. Um, so what's going to accompany your book? Um, it has to be Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. I love her voice, and it's powerful, it's haunting. Um, and if you can have a cover of Valerie thrown in, it's a bonus. <laughs> but, yeah, but Sounds good. Everything. It's shaping up nicely. Now, we usually let people bring one item of duty-free. I'm presuming one of those is going to be an American whiskey. So I'm going to let you have two items. So well, one from the alcohol category oh, and the other. 
we've been very generous today with uh, increased allocate uh, allowances. Um, so what two items would you like to bring? Right, um, if it's two, then even better because I was deliberating between two options. Um, so uh, my first option would be a Glenn Ronick, um, 16 year old. Now, even before I had interviewed for Grant Foreman, uh, my husband and I are both whiskey lovers. Uh, we had stumbled upon Glenn Ronick and we jointly shook hands on the fact that it is one of the most beautiful liquids that we've had. Um, and uh, so a 16 year old, I mean, as all single age, single malls go, uh, is not very easy to get your hands on. Uh, you know, it's, it's limited in production, but I will make an exception for your island and get some allocation there and uh, yeah, get that along. Um, and if I am able to bring one more bottle, that would be a, a JD single barrel. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's one, um, one, uh, you know, variant of Jack Daniels that we haven't really explored fully. And you will hear more about uh, single barrel in the coming few years, uh, but it is one that we are, uh, you know, uh, that, 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 I mean, it's a beautiful liquid in a beautiful bottle. I mean, what's not to like? What's not to like indeed? Wow, great choices. I think, Sharma, from memory, I've got, a, well, I know I've got a bottle, but I'm trying to think of its kind of provenance of, um, Glendronic uh, back in London, I'm in Hong Kong now, and I've had it for years and years, and it goes back to former ownership. I think Allied de Mec used to own the brand. You probably don't know Allied de Mec, because I think it was dead and buried by the time you came on board, but Roger will know. I think they were the owner, or Allied Distillers were the owner at one stage. And I've oh, got Allied Distillers. Yeah, I've got a beautiful old bottle in a, in a, in a kind of wraparound case presentation that's sitting under my floorboards in London. So next time I go back, I'm going to pick that out and bring it back to Hong Kong with me. And uh, it sounds as though the juice is going to be very good indeed. Oh, absolutely. Um, 50 year old is being released now. That's under allocation as well. So uh, Martin, you might want to keep it for, you know, obviously it won't age in a bottle, but you could probably pass it off as a 50 year old. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fascinating. All right, Shama, one of the nice things we do um, you've been in isolation a little bit on this on this island, so we we want you to have some great company. And uh, we're going to bring three guests in for you. They can be from history, or they can be um, from um, modern modern day times. Who would your special dinner guests be, and and why would you choose them? Um, well, okay. So uh, my first one would be Fiji Wodas. Um, growing up, I always read his books and uh, it would make a terrible day better for me. Yeah, you know, it was always my go-to book uh, at all times. And I could read them, you know, through the end and then flip back to the first page again and read it again. I mean, the creator of Deeds, uh, creator of Deeds, I uh, absolutely love him. So I'd love to have him there, uh, know what he's really like and, um, you know, meet the man who's actually unknowingly uh, made my uh, childhood better. Uh, even now, actually, not just the childhood part of it. Um, my second guest, a bit frivolous, is uh, Michael McIntyre. Um, keeps me in splits. I love his uh, humor. I know not everybody might, uh, you know, um, might like him, but uh, I do think that, you know, a dinner table with Michael McIntyre cannot go wrong from a conversation point of view. Um, my third one would be uh, Indra Nui the former CEO of PepsiCo. 
And that would be like selfishly because I would love to get some nuggets of you know leadership um, advice from her. Uh, but at the same time, I'd love to see how she gels in with that crowd, you know, with two very uh, likely different personalities. So those would be my three guests. Oh, a great dinner party. If, if anyone's ever read P.G. Woodhouse on golf, um, or if you haven't, I recommend that you do because it, it, it makes what can be a dull and boring game absolutely come alive. He's so droll. <laughs> his, his, his wit is magnificent. So I'm right there with, with you, Sharma, on, on that one. Okay. Um, well, I think you've had a pretty good time on this island, but it's time to leave. And before we go back to Dubai, we're going to fly you anywhere in the world as our thanks for being on the program and on the island. Where would it be and, and why? Um, well, I, uh, if it's a family vacation, right, I would uh, go back to this place called Cinque Terre. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, it's in Italy. Uh, it's um, five villages, you know, uh, that have come together. You, I mean, you drive down, you drive down to all those villages. It's stunning. They are absolutely beautiful. Beautiful food, beautiful uh, wine, uh, great people, quiet. And it was the first family vacation that we took with Agastya in Europe. Uh, he was just nine months old, sorry, that's my son, Martin. Um, so that was the first time we took Agastya to Europe. So he would probably not have understood much of it, but we did have a great time there and I'd love to go back. Well, sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best to get you there. Sharma, it's been lovely to talk to you. Uh, we've really enjoyed the conversation, haven't we, Roger? And uh, uh, it's, it's been good to kind of walk through your um, your journey in life as, as well as your journey in work. And we're sure uh, that journey's got a long way to run yet and, and much success. We wish you on it. Um, but thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Thanks, Roger. Uh, Roger, you have known Sharma for several years in your professional life. Uh, the first time I'd met her, what, a, what an articulate, intelligent, um, and very engaging woman. I thought it was a, it was a really nice conversation, just the kind of conversation that I, I hope Tripod draws out of people. Yeah, I've known Shamra um, probably nearly a decade now. Um, she's got a really nice, diverse career, starting obviously in finance um, and then moving over to commercial which whilst that's not my background, that's the one that I think is the, the perfect route into commercial. So you've got that really great, um, you know, uh, experience and skill base before you come into commercial. So I think that's definitely the best thing. And Sean, it's obviously worked. Some great experience, obviously, with Diageo, uh, then Godiva in a different uh, category, which is always difficult, you know, selling alcohol to... Uh, to move to confectionery is a very, very, um, you know, it, it's a shift, it's different. And we've experienced that with the business that we have. We do luggage, um, tobacco and alcohol. And the pivot needed is you think it's going to be easy and it's not. It really is uh, very different. And then just come back home to, you know, to selling spirits again. So um, it's fantastic to hear from her. She's got some real, uh, very insightful. Um, I know she's a wide reader. So when she gave us her, a desert island, um, yeah, books and music. I knew it would be really considered, but yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to have Sharma on, and it's a pleasure to continue to know her and see her and her family thrive. Yeah, it was really good indeed. Yeah, Franz Kafka onto the desert island. That's pretty impressive. All right, Roger. Well, listen, thanks uh, for inviting Sharma. That was great. Um, stay well. Hope your business continues to um, 
keep on its upward curve. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Martin Moody saying see you next week. See you next week.